Hello, everyone. Jody Heiss here with you with another episode of the Freedom Caucus podcast. Glad to have you joining us. We're doing something a little bit different today. We have, obviously, the podcast going on, but also visually having a video of this, and we'll share a little bit more how, uh, for those of you who are listening, how you can tap in on that here in just a little while. But I'm really excited to have joining me again uh, one of the original founders and former chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Everyone knows him as one of the most battle-tested warriors in Washington, D.C., Mark Meadows. Uh, always great to have you. Mark has been right in the middle of all of this impeachment. So I don't think there's a deposition you've missed nor a hearing that you've missed. You've been through this from the very beginning, and that's going to be the topic of our discussion today. So first of all, Mark, as always, thanks for joining us. Well, Jody, thank you. It's great to join you again. Obviously, you're doing a great job of of taking the message to those who are willing to tune in and listen to the podcast. Hopefully today, in fact, I know today, uh, some of the, the listeners will will hear some things that they've not read about anybody, anywhere else, never been reported. And so uh, we're going to make sure that each and every time uh, they get to hear a little bit of the behind-the-scenes uh, rationale uh, on the impeachment, maybe a little bit of the uh, color play-by-play and uh and so uh, it's great to be back with you. Well, thank you. And that's, as you well know, that's one of the purposes of the of the podcast here is to try to give people a little inside baseball as to what's happening, particularly from the perspective of the Freedom Caucus and those conservative members of of, uh, of Congress up here. So let's hone in on the impeachment here. You have been a part of this. I've been a part of a good number of the depositions myself, but you have been front and center of all of this. Let's begin just a little bit of of what what is coming out of the Democrats. What are they alleging versus what the actual articles of impeachment? Well, they're alleging a lot more than what the articles of impeachment would indicate. So um, literally yesterday they they put forth a an impeachment resolution that looked at two different articles of impeachment, uh, very narrow in scope. And very vague all uh, and, at the same well, time. It's, in, it's vague uh, on purpose, and, and I believe that part of that design is so that they can get to 218 votes, so that somebody can uh, define abuse of power in a way that they uh, choose to define it back home in their districts. And so, um, you know, they, they've, they've talked about uh, quid pro quo, they've talked about treason, they've talked about bribery, and as you know, they did a focus group to talk about bribery. Uh, and <laughs> that fell flat, and, and, and it you know it didn't work out well. Be, and and so I know that they couldn't do an article of impeachment based on bribery because that would have been based on a D triple C focused group right. uh, kind of personnel. So and uh, on something never testified in any of the hearings. I mean, right? And none I, of the yeah. depositions did ever they ever bring up yeah. bribery. Uh, I, and you mentioned I was at every deposition, every hearing. Uh, you know, there have been different people that have played a more central role than I have, but uh, I can tell you that in reviewing every dot and tittle of uh, the testimony, uh, what what Democrats are wanting to do is connect dots uh, that actually shouldn't be connected. Uh, they said, okay, there was foreign aid that was held up and that 
that had to be because of nefarious purposes on behalf of the president. Well, let me just tell you, you and I get to talk to the president. Uh, you know, the people that are uh, listening in right now, they, uh, they wouldn't believe how many times we actually get to talk directly to the president of the United States. But he's also a very direct individual. So if he was going to hold up aid, to get something in there would be no court. question about it. Oh, he would tell him. He yeah. says, "By the way, President Zelensky, I'm going to hold up your aid until you actually do X, Y, and Z." Um, is there any doubt that CNN understands how the president feels about CNN? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the whole country <laughs> so, knows. So, yeah. so I mean, when you look at this, that, now all of a sudden they're asking us to believe that the president Donald Trump went out of character and had 30 people listening in on a phone call. To uh, be so subtle with something that now, even today, uh, that the President Zelensky, their foreign minister, uh, Mr. Yarmak. So we have three officials in Ukraine that High said. High ranking officials. Yeah, the highest yeah. ranking officials who said that there was no linkage between aid and uh, any pause in aid and what they were being asked to do. Now, if that's the case, and just think about it, if that's the case, when you actually perpetrate a, a crime, you actually have to have a victim. And if the very victims that the Democrat allege uh, are out there saying, listen, nothing happened, then how in the world do you expect the American people to support impeachment? I can't. I won't vote for it. I think the vast majority of Americans believe that I don't think any Republicans will vote for it. What, what do you I, think I, on I the Democratic side? Yeah, I think there's going to be real pressure um, among some of my Democrat colleagues because they wrote it so narrow and so open uh, in terms of abuse of power, uh, obstruction of Congress. They, they probably get to their 218 threshold. I do think that they'll have more than two defections on the Democrat side. Um, if they're smart, the Democrat, freshman, you know, listen, yep. here, here's the interesting. When you get here as a freshman, you believe everybody. It doesn't take too long into being here to realize that everybody's best interest is not your best interest. <laughs> In fact, you'll find they say this is rarely good, is it? <laughs> this is good for you. And by the way, you need to do it for you. And what they really mean is you need to do it for me. Right. And if you do it for me, I won't forget. But they always do forget. Right. Well, well, let's go on. You mentioned some of the uh, behind the scene things that's not being reported in the media. We are watching. Uh, really, and have watched, it's kind of amazing to me that I believe we're actually winning this battle in the court of public opinion, at least in my district. I, I believe you've said the same in yours. People are recognizing this is a hoax. It's a witch hunt, and they're tuning it off. They understand this has been unfair. It's been a partisan thing. We've not even had a minority hearing. We've not been even allowed to have witnesses ourselves. The president's not been able to defend himself uh, and and so I think we're winning that argument in the court of public opinion. But there's still a lot of things happening in the background that's going unnoticed that the media is not reporting. Well, you're right. I think one of those was a Saturday. I was here for a deposition. And so we actually had a deposition that was going on. And we asked, this was uh, Mark Sandy, the, the guy that was OMB. And Democrats were real anxious to have him come in. And uh, this is a behind the scenes kind of moment. So after the first hour of the OMB uh, official testifying, one of my Democrat colleagues comes up and whispers in my ear and says, 
we won't be asking him to come testify in public. Now that's the wow. kind of that's the kind of thing that you wow. hear because yeah. they knew that what he said was not supporting their narrative. It really was an audition. All those depositions were all they, auditions for they were, public. Exactly. They were picking and choosing who they're going to put out there as their star witnesses. And yet that OMB person said not only was the aide um, paused, but it was temporarily paused multiple times, six different times. They put a pause on saying, well, let's pause it for two more days and see if we can get clearance. So it was not a permanent hole waiting for some kind of deliverable. It was actually a, a process. And here's what we also know. Um, that same OMB person said that they were asked to do a study the first part of September 2019 when the aid was held, do a study, get it to the president on what Europe was doing in terms of national defense for Ukraine. They did that study. Uh, indeed, a couple of days later, you had um, uh, Senator Portman call, say we really need to release it. So they do the study. Uh, Senator Portman calls. They released the aid. They, they then tell this same OMB person the reason why all of this was held up was because you, Europe was not doing their fair share. Now, that doesn't get reported wow. in the mainstream media, but that's what actually happened in the deposition. You know, listeners listening in can actually go and uh, uh, read through the deposition wow. and find that. So the Democrats know that too, but that certainly doesn't play into their narrative. Yeah, but they didn't call Mark no. Sandy in to testify, wow. uh, you know, because he would be willing to say that under oath. Wow. Okay, so let's go. You, you've touched <clears throat> on this. How did we get here? Um uh, you know, we, the, the process has been bad. It's been unfair. Uh, there's a lot of things happening out there from the Russia's uh, collusion stuff to Ukraine activities there, the dossier. How did we actually get here? I think we got here at two reasons. One is the whole Russia collusion thing went so bad for Adam Schiff he had to be rehabilitated. And so uh, he, I think he still needs that. He had been promising, you know, there's evidence. We've seen evidence. We know evidence. And indeed, the Mueller report after $30 million came in and there was no evidence. And in fact, worse than that, they said there was no collusion. Now, I'm here to tell you the IG report just came out. Uh, if you haven't read the 435 pages, uh, everybody needs to do that. But you need to take very careful note of some of the footnoting and some of the commentary that's in there. Because what we now know, what we now know is the FBI knew there was no investigation worth pursuing after January of 2017. And yet, for months and months and months, and then a special prosecutor for years after that, we continued to investigate something that the FBI knew had no merit in January of 2017. That's not being reported. No, either. that's not being reported. Neither is the tie <coughs> between that fact and the the report that basically said, I found no one who admitted that there was bias against the president. Well, why would you continue something that's totally basis, baseless unless there is some bias that you want to achieve an end out there. I mean, you can, you just, it doesn't take much to recognize that the bias did indeed motivate a lot of the actions and the omissions, 17 at least uh, omissions with the FISA warrant, 
the bias, no question, was well. I mean, you involved. can't cut and paste an email and assume that there was no bias. The person who cut and pasted the email to say that Carter Page was a threat directly opposite of the email that they got from a three-letter agency, may have been CIA, uh, may have been NSA, but from a three-letter agency, gets gets an email, cuts and pastes, and changes the very very definition of what that email was all about. Now, this is the same person who's not identified by name uh, in the report, but he is the same individual under the previous IG's report that had a text me- message that was Viva la resistance. And so he was the one talking about pushing back against Donald Trump, and then he changes an email. And of course, there's no bias with that. Of course not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, mean I, I really don't know how, but I, I'm, I was thrilled that. Durham and Barr have both come out challenging some of the conclusions. Well, they've seen some of the documents that I've seen, and uh, and so they should challenge the assumptions. Uh, listen, the facts that Horowitz found were very good. The sure. conclusion he reached based on those facts are very, very questionable, and I would not support. Uh, let me circle back a little bit, because okay. you talked about the genesis on this impeachment thing, uh, and a lot of it comes down to Ukraine and what happened. And Biden's continue to get mentioned. And my Democrat colleagues will say, oh, the Ukrainians weren't involved. Now, I cannot prove that the Ukrainian government was involved, although I can prove that the Ukrainian government, if they were not aware that their Ukrainian ambassador here to the United States was publishing an op-ed against candidate Donald Trump, that there's something wrong uh, in Kiev. Uh, so they at least had knowledge that their ambassador published something that was anti-Trump. But more importantly than that, when you start to look at Nellie Orr's transcripts, uh, and I would challenge any of anybody who's looking, I think her deposition is online. She talks about Ukrainians being the source of some of her information that she gives to Fusion GPS, which ends up being the opposition research against candidate Donald Trump. And it, ca- it came from a guy by the name of Sergei Leshenko, who is now in their parliament. So, yeah, maybe it's not their government, but this whole thing that everything is debunked is because they want to keep us away from Joe Biden. And and listen, there's uh, a smoking gun. there. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, and another thing that's not being reported, Jody, and and so maybe some of the reporters will pick up on this uh, if they're listening in Um, over a dozen contacts, a dozen contacts made by the vice president of the United States under Barack Obama, made by Joe Biden in a very short period of time after Hunter Biden is on the board with this corrupt uh, company or allegedly corrupt uh, company, Burisma. Uh, He's on their board. The vice president makes personal visits with President Poroshenko and multiple phone calls, more than other countries uh, that uh, he had uh, responsibility for. Wow. Uh, over a dozen of those. So when you look at those, and a lot of those are in a time when the pressure was the highest on this corrupt com- uh, company in Ukraine, and yet 
Joe Biden was weighing it. Now, he may have, it may have all been legit, but at best, he should have recused himself and, and saved himself the scorn. Well, sure. And then we have him on video saying that he withheld a billion dollars, threatened. I mean, no quid pro quo Yeah, quid yeah, pro quo. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, and he was bragging about it, boasting yeah. about it. Yeah. Okay, so we've got the, the articles of impeachment that have now— uh, uh, been dropped. This thing, the the ball is rolling unquestionably. I believe that's uh, uh, pretty confident, and I think you feel the same way. This is going to pass the House uh, and move over to the Senate. Yeah. So, so the what next question comes up. Where does this thing go from here? So, what what is next is is how long of a process it'll be in the Senate. I'm actually reviewing Senate rules. Uh, as you know, I love rules. Oh, you're, and you're great at it. <laughs> and so, I'm reviewing all the Senate rules to see what we can and can't do. And one of the big questions that um, is really going to be reported on in the coming days is who are going to be part of the president's defense team. Right. So uh, that is a huge question. Yeah. We, I, I'm here to tell you, so I'll break a little bit of news here. Uh, the president believes that it needs to be a combination of lawyers from his team. So, you know, perhaps a Jay Sekulow, a Pat Cipollone, uh, some of their team, they've got some very capable lawyers in the general counsel's office and three or four members of Congress Great. to actually bring forth some of this institutional knowledge and, and help with that. And that's been really at the president's insistence that uh, there be this uh, um, really two-pronged approach in making sure that he's properly defended. Well, I think that's excellent. It's really good to hear because obviously the White House is going to have to lead in the, the trial in terms of who do they want uh, to call for witnesses and who do they want to call forward? That's going to be huge if we're going to hear from whoever it may be, whether it's the whistleblower or Hunter Biden or uh, Adam Schiff himself or whatever. Th those type of requests are going to have to come from the White House. Well, they will. So here's here's one of the interesting things that, that our listeners, uh, uh, I want them to mark down. I believe that the impeachment inquiry in the Senate will be over with by the middle of February. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One is the longer it goes, the more you hold up work getting done in the Senate. And I know that you and I don't think yeah, that they don't, that, that word's not in their dictionary. Okay. Well, <laughs> they, we're interrupting their naps in the Senate. So, uh, so, uh, it <laughs> yeah, gets so, over so by, they're, they're by the do middle away of with February. Okay. Uh, but I think the other reason why it does is I think that Joe Biden has a number of friends over in the Senate and they're not going to want to call you know, old Joe, old Uncle Joe, in to actually have to testify. In fact, they'll vote against it. Maybe even some on our side would vote against it. So I think they keep everything narrow. So there may be some opening statements. There may be some opening uh, uh, positions on for and against impeachment. And then as they work through that, um, I think the, the other key component of that becomes uh, really that they make those opening statements and, and get and go ahead and dismiss it very quickly. One last thing, and I, I'm sorry to ramble on. One last thing. I can tell you that I have advocated that there needs to be one other attorney that's added to the mix for the president, and that is uh, Alan Dershowitz. I think he'd be great to come in, uh, get Alan Dershowitz in to uh, be part of that defense team. Wow. Well, this is fascinating stuff, Mark. So as we as we land the plane, 
Uh, this thing's moving forward. We don't know how fast it's going to move through judiciary here ourselves and when an actual vote will come to the floor yet. But we anticipate that will be uh, relatively soon, certainly probably before Christmas, I guess, you think? Yeah, I think we'll have a markup uh, here in a few days. I think uh, from there, we probably have a floor vote uh, the Thursday before we leave for Christmas because they're going to want to keep – listen, the Democrats want us to forget about this vote. They they have oh, yeah. grabbed a hold of something that they wish they hadn't agreed. They needed to grab a hold of it for their progressive left wing friends, but for everybody else, they're wishing oh, they, they could got, let what, go. They got what thirty one of them. Yeah. This is going to be really tough. So they're going to go home for Christmas, hoping that everybody thinks about what they got for Christmas instead of what they got on Capitol Hill. So uh, how how does all this impact uh, the work of the Freedom Caucus? Um, how does it impact our country? for that matter, and the work that the president's doing. Well, it impacts the real things that matter to us, to you and I, to the Freedom Caucus, to the forgotten men and women back home, uh, is that things that are key that we should be doing, reducing prescription drug prices, fixing roads and infrastructure, doing trade deals for our farmers, uh, it's not getting done. And, and so the president uh, earlier today said, imagine what we could have accomplished had we not had to deal with this for the last three years. Absolutely. There's no question <laughs> about that. Well, Mark, listen, it is always just an incredible honor uh, to have you on the podcast. I deeply respect you and cherish your friendship. Uh, honored to be a colleague with you here uh, in Congress and in the Freedom Caucus and uh, as always, it's just great to have you here. Well, it's great to be with you, Jody. God bless you. God bless America. And uh, let's keep fighting. Let's keep fighting. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this uh, uh, podcast. I want to thank you, as always, for joining us, for being a part of this. And we always encourage you, if you enjoyed this program, uh, please go rate, subscribe it, uh, subscribe to it, and so forth. Review this on iTunes or SoundCloud. For more information, you can actually go and watch the video of this by going to uh, our Facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and on Twitter at Freedom Caucus. As always, it's an honor for you to be joining us as well. Hope you have a fantastic remainder of your day. We'll see you next time.